as we welcome in Dave Naylor from TSN. Dave, good morning. You're with Kevin Carius and Great Cup champ, Eddie Steele. Welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. You weren't the guy that pulled the fire alarm at the uh, hotel for the <laughs> Niners this morning, were you? I was certainly not. One of my goals in a media career uh, is never to be the news at an event. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I actually was reminded this. I was, it was before the Bills Steelers playoff game. I went down to just the field level to just kind of check out the wind, you know, because that stadium, it kind of swirls a bit, just kind of get a sense of it. And as I was walking back, everybody started shouting at me, look out, look out. And there was a Tyler Bass field goal. He was warming up like that was coming right for me. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I never I never want to be the guy who makes the news. Yeah, hit you right in the coconut or something. Uh-huh, exactly. Or bust my nose or something. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So everyone knows Vegas. The vibe down there normally is a 10 out of 10 if you go down for a visit or a weekend. Uh, what is it like there? What's it like to be in Vegas right now and right in the meat of Super Bowl week? You know, I, I think what Vegas and the NFL have in common and why they're a perfect match is like the grandiose of it. And and look, everybody knows the Super Bowl is just kind of overwhelming if you've ever been to one or, or you know, I mean, I don't even have to go to the game. Just Super Bowl week is overwhelming and everything is so big and grand. The NFL does everything that way. The combine is huge. You know, the NFL draft has mushroomed into this monster from, you know, the, the event they used to have just in Radio City Music Hall. And that's kind of what Vegas is. And, you know, the, the media party this week, it was at the Formula One barracks. I mean, it was such a big party. You couldn't see from one end to the other, <laughs> other end of it. Uh, you know, you had Vegas-style performers around. There's an Elvis uh, performer going on all night. There's a very Vegas feel to everything. But, you know, trying to measure the crescendo or the peak of these things is always very difficult on a Friday morning because, of course, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night becomes where it kind of takes it to a whole level. So we're still, still waiting to see where this one's going to land. Dave, sticking with the Super Bowl theme, what are some of the uh, key stories you've picked up throughout the week? Well, you know, I, I think the biggest the biggest storyline I think that has become is the idea that the Chiefs are sort of the underdogs. Well, they are the underdog, and they've been the underdogs three weeks in a row. I mean, you think about it. You know, Patrick Mahomes is twenty eight. He's won two MVPs. They're back at the Super Bowl. They're they're you know trying to win three in 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 four years and all this. And yet, you know, they're, 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 here they are. The, the Chiefs have got to sort of overcome these doubts because the Niners are the favorites. And I think they, you know, as Mahomes said proudly on opening night, you know, I never feel like an underdog. But it just, it, it's funny because this isn't the Chiefs team of a year ago. You know, they don't hang 30 points every week. They were a middle-of-the-pack scoring team. They're a really good defensive team. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, had in the regular season, you know, among, in fact, you look at, you know, among qualified quarterbacks, the shortest average distance of target in the NFL, less than seven yards, right? He throws the ball at or near the line of scrimmage more often, far more often than he throws it downfield. So I think it's kind of people trying to realize what the Chiefs are, what they aren't, and then trying to figure out whether that's good enough to win a Super Bowl against you know a team that I think people had their eyes on all season, was one of the classes of the NFL this year, start to finish, you know, a little low in the middle of the season. And I think... You know, just at the time that that people were willing to give up, or I don't say willing to give up. I feel like Brock Purdy's in the situation where, when you're a seventh round pick, when you don't have the skill set of some of the elite quarterbacks in the league, it doesn't take very long for people to say, "Well, see, you know, yeah. we, he he was never the right quarterback for this team." I mean, when you're picked in the seventh round two years ago, nobody expects you to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
I mean, that's not that's not the ascension plan for a quarterback that are drafted that way. He kind of, the 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 depth chart has to fall down in front of you. You know, guys have to get injured, which is essentially what happened. So, I, I think those those kind of story. It's hard to get away from the, the storylines of the two quarterbacks just because they come at this from such completely different roads, you know, and then, then you can flip it around the other way in the running backs, right? You look at the, the two running backs in this game where you got McCaffrey, you know, who's the high pick, who's, you know, got the pedigree and, and all the stardom and, you know, family lineage and all that. And then you've got on the other side, you know, you've got Isaiah Pacheco, who's seventh round pick, you know, taken just before Brock Purdy. And he overtook a guy who was a first-round pick in their backfield in Clyde Edwards-Alaire, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who, was, who, who was supposed to be the guy for the Chiefs. So you've got a couple of – both in, in the running back and the quarterback position, you've got these sort of you know, elite guys and then these guys who've kind of come from off the map. Dave Naylor from TSN with Kevin Carey. Eddie Steele on Sports 1440. You did touch on Brock Purdy a little bit, Dave. Where are you with Brock Purdy and the, the respect factor? I mean – he his numbers and everything else better than a couple dozen quarterbacks in the league, but still just no respect. To, what do you make of that kind of angle going in to Sunday? Well, I, I, you know, quarterbacks are, are always fascinating debate topics because people talk about them. And I'm going to steal this line because I, I once had a chance to interview Archie Manning. And he, he used a line that I use over and over and over since he said, you know, they're not golfers and they're not tennis stars. They're not, this is not a solo sport, <laughs> you, you know, you, you, and, and, and I think that's where like in the case of a Mahomes, I mean, people would look at him statistically and say, well, this is his worst year of his NFL career. But if you actually look at what he's had to do and adjust the way he's had to play and had to deal with some of the limitations of, of the players around him, you can make the argument that it's been his best season, even though it doesn't show up in the numbers. And in the case of Brock Purdy, you know, I, I think you have this sense that, he's good enough to win a Super Bowl with a good team around him. And it's almost like, you know, his job is to not screw it up as opposed to a guy who, you know, rises the, 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 the talent around him rises because of his presence. I mean, that's just, I think that's, that's the thing. So it's always been like, you can almost look at this season and say, Patrick Mahomes is great, but is the team around him good enough to win a Super Bowl this season? And with San Francisco, it's almost the opposite. Well, this team is good enough to win a Super Bowl, but you know, can the can a guy who was the last pick of the draft, you know, rise his level to justify being the quarterback of this team? And I, I have no doubt at all that if San Francisco loses and Brock Purdy doesn't, you know, glorify himself in that game, immediately there will be a conversation this offseason about whether the Niners need to look for another quarterback. And I think you, you know, guys will battle that for a while, and. And I think that's, yeah, that's still even, even as remarkably as he played in the second half of that game against Detroit. I mean, doing things that, you know, maybe we don't think of Brock Purdy doing, like, you know, tucking the ball and, and running it in situations like that. I still think there's that skepticism about him and that the idea that, you know, he, he's more the product of his team or his system or his head coach, you know, than he is a frontline starting quarterback, even though he was in the MVP debate or conversation for most of this year. We're talking all things football, NFL, CFL with Dave Naylor from TSN. Now, Dave, let's shift this conversation uh, a little more to my backyard here. (laughs) With the CFL offseason, were you, um, I I don't want to say surprised, but Brady Oliveira left some money on the table from a couple of different organizations to sign back in Winnipeg. Were you expecting that? No, I wasn't. And it's funny, you know, we've watched the Bombers keep the band together really since 2019. And there have been a few exceptions here and there. But 
we've definitely seen more continuity for from from them over I say now five years than we have from most teams that that reach you know win a great cup and well I mean Toronto would be a good example of what happened there this year and and you know the economics really you know breaking that team apart and I thought this was the year that Winnipeg was really going to have to deal with that and and I, I honestly if you if you asked me a week ago I thought there was a chance they could sign Dalton Schoen. I thought there was very little chance they'd sign Brady Oliveira. And I honestly, I don't think the Bombers knew they were getting both back until, you know, maybe, you know, the morning this week when those deals happened. I'm trying to remember what day that was. I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. Um, you know, I, every, you know, in conversations with, with, you know, people in Winnipeg that there was a sense that they were, I want to say they assumed they were losing those guys but they were preparing to deal with losing those guys. It was not just a, Hey, these deals are done. Let's wait till Wednesday and announce them. No, this came down to the wire for both of them. And I think ultimately for both guys, there was just the notion of don't screw with happy, you know, like, <laughs> like how are things been like, you know, I look at a guy like Dalton Schoen, right? He's, he's a, he's a walk on at Kansas state. He gets a look in the NFL. He comes to Canada and one of the funny lines I remember him saying to me one time was talking about a third of the way through his first CFL season. He talked about the first time he looked into the crowd and saw somebody wearing his jersey who was, quote, not a member of my family, <laughs> you know, which, which was, was kind of this moment for him, right? Things have gone incredibly well for him. You know, leading receiver in the league, leading touchdown in the league. You know, last year he's topped right up again among the league leaders all year, and that's with an injury happening at the end of the season. Things really couldn't have been much better for Dalton Schoen in the Canadian Football League. And and I think what ultimately came to it is like, am I really going to move and try to go somewhere else where it's going to be better than it's been for me in Winnipeg for a little more money? And same thing, I think, with Brady Oliveira. I think that's what it came to. I think there was a big, big push, you know, to from from both at the team level. I think, you know, certainly Zach Caleros would have got in on the conversation, I think, about Dalton Schoen. And, and in Brady Oliveira's case, you know, Winnipeg kid, that's the other thing I think CFL players have to think about. Even guys that are at the top of the pay scale, like Brady Oliveira, who's you know going to be over two hundred thousand for a running back, which is great running back money in the CFL. Mm. But you've also got to think about okay, what does this do for me? You know, that a lot of veteran football players will say, you know, use the game, don't let the game use you. And for Brady Oliveira, who's a Winnipeg kid, who's established himself, you know, now as a frontline blue bomber star. I mean, when you start to talk about, you know, leaning into things off the field or maybe even leaning into things in your post-football career, which I'm sure Brady Oliveira isn't kind of thinking fully about quite yet, but it's about, it's about your brand. It's about your awareness, about what you mean in that market. And, you know, where else is Brady Oliveira going to maximize his presence, like in his hometown where he's already a star? So I think those are good career decisions for those guys. I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see more continuity in the Canadian Football League. And I think we're all now kind of intrigued about, okay, can the Bombers rule the West again? Because that that is, we have not seen something like this in a long, long time in this league. No, you're absolutely right. Dave, what about Matthew Betts? Where do you think he lands? I think it's going to be Hamilton or BC. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I, 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 that's, that one, it's surprising to see a guy who's going to get, I think, you know, somewhere between two hundred fifty and three hundred thousand dollars a year on the market this long, because often, you know, in CFL free agency in a cap league, guys want to get a deal done while the, you know before the money's well, the money's. Gone. There. I think both those, yeah, both those teams. I think it's pretty clear it's going to be one of those two. I guess Montreal is still a dark horse there, um, but yeah, I, I think he wants to stay in BC. 
Any chance um, Edmonton, Dave? Sorry to interrupt, Dave. Any chance Edmonton, or can they afford him? I don't believe so. No, based on based on what my knowledge, I can't tell you you categorically no. But based on my knowledge, I don't believe that's a consideration at this time. No. Well, so quick pick uh, on the Super Bowl. Have you got a pick you could give us? And how about even a score, Dave? How about a score too? Well, somebody asked me one this morning, and I popped out a score, so I better be consistent. I said Kansas City twenty to sixteen, and you know, look, I. I, I was one of those people who studied the Chiefs at the end of the season. I mean, it's a team that lost what, like three or four in December, and I don't think they scored over twenty points in either in any of them. You know, um, but the, here's the weird thing about about the Chiefs, right? All along, even if you look at the end of the season, they had the number two defense in the NFL. Okay, so that's good enough to win a Super Bowl. You know, they they've got really good special teams. You know, field goal kicker, those kind of things, right? Okay, that's good enough to win a Super Bowl. They run the ball pretty well with Isaiah Pacheco. Okay, that's probably good enough to win a Super Bowl. So now we're down to can Patrick Mahomes throw the ball well enough for them to win a Super Bowl? Well, that, that, if that's the only question you're asking about Kansas City being capable of winning a Super Bowl, then they can win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I picked against them in, in Buffalo. Didn't have a strong <laughs> feeling on that one, but I, I kind of leaned Bills. I had a very strong you know, conviction that I thought Baltimore would beat them. And I thought they outcoached Baltimore. And, you know, in, in football, it's always about trying to get your opponent to go away from what they do well and go to other places. And if you look at what Kansas City did in that game, I mean, they, what did Baltimore do all season? They run the ball and they throw it to tight ends. And they made and they forced them to go away from those things just the way the game script was. And the Ravens kind of panicked. And I thought Kansas City outcoached and outplayed them that game. And Mahomes was flawless in the first half. So all of that to say... I am not going to pick against Kansas City for the third straight week. They're underdogs for three straight weeks in a row, which is, you know, when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and you're the defending Super Bowl champions, that's not something you expect. Uh, I, I just think he's a winner, and I think they're going to win on Sunday, 20 to twenty to 14. Hey, Dave, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. I know you're busy down there. Enjoy the next couple of days, if you can, a little bit in the game on Sunday. Thanks for this. My pleasure. Thanks so, so much for having me, guys.